Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Judges, the sixth chapter. And as you're doing that, I want you, if you would, to throw that picture up. I want to preach to you for just a little while today on close encounters. Would you say that with me? Close encounters. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word and your love. We just ask you in the name of Jesus, Father, Lord, to speak to us, through us, God. We, Lord, look to you, and God, just ask you to have your way, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's been a lot of talk recently about close encounters. They've actually, the government put a commission together to look into UFOs. And I've seen some UFOs. There's been some stuff going across the sky. I didn't know what it was. I saw UFOs when I was in high school, man. There were some folks throwing stuff in the class. I didn't know what it was. It was an unidentified flying object. <clears throat> what I'm saying is this, is that there are, we all have encounters. Everybody say encounters. And encounters, close encounters usually have an impact on our life. I want you to think of a close encounter you may have had and how it impacted you. I was sharing in the first service, I had an encounter. We were uh, driving to Mexico. I was in San Antonio, the south side of San Antonio, and it started pouring down rain. And I was pulling a trailer, that red trailer that you see out there uh, from time to time. I was pulling that trailer with a big uh, diesel dually as I was going down the road and I was just talking to the guy that was in the truck with me and everything was going fine and I had a close encounter. I looked out my side window and I saw the trailer coming up to meet me. And I'm doing 70 miles an hour and I go into a jackknife. And man, I started cutting wheels and praying and, and everything happened so quickly. You, know, you understand what I'm talking about? If you've ever been in a situation like that, everything is happening so fast. And I remember praying and asking God, Lord, please, God, don't let me flip in this median you know, and, and then all of a sudden I hit that median and I kept going. And I was praying, oh God, don't let me shoot across here and hit the ongoing traffic. And when things finally stopped, the, I was like this. I was straight in that median, but I was in the opposite direction that I had been going. So I'd spun that completely around and gone off backwards into the median and was headed in the other direction. And as soon as I got stopped to take a deep breath, I looked up and here came a semi-truck off the interstate. Went right in front of the truck I was in. And when I got out, I walked out and looked in the front and about eight inches from the front end of that truck was the tire print from that semi. Things like that have an impact on you because you realize how close you came to not making it. And I, I thought about how that close encounters change us. When I was in Guatemala and we were flying into a village, you either drove, I think it was like 16 hours by car and then another six hours by foot. It was, I can't remember. It was, I, I know that the round trip they told me was going to be something like 22 to 24 hours. Part of it was by car. The other part of it was by foot to get to that mountain, or I could fly 40 minutes in a Cessna. 
So we went in the Cessna, and you had to land on a 900-foot strip of grass. So we're coming down in between two mountains, and we, we land, and I've got the video camera out filming the landing. I couldn't see over the dash, so I'm, I'm, I've got it held up like that, filming the landing. When we got back home, and I plugged it in, and I'm watching it on television, I realized that as we hit, right as we came down and hit the runway, a horse ran right in front of that plane. And my heart just dropped, and I said, man, I sure am glad I didn't see that when I was in that plane coming down because I might have not been wanting to get in it to get back out. I may have taken a 24-hour trip by foot and, and vehicle. Close encounters, they have impacts on us. They, they have a tendency to give us a great awakening. I was in Jamaica on a scaffold. We were working on a church, and we were laying an outside wall. There was about a 25-foot drop to the ground and around us and who, whoever had built the scaffolding, I didn't build it, I just got up on it. It, it. it was already there, but inside there was rebar sticking up out of the concrete that there had to be walls poured inside too. And I, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, okay, if I go over, I'm falling 25 feet. If I fall off of this inside, I was falling probably six to eight feet inside. And I'm thinking, I'm going to fall right on top of this rebar. And so I'm trying to be real careful. And I'm getting ready to put a block in position. And I, I, I reached over and put my hand on a wall that I thought was secure. And it wasn't. And when I, I, I reached out to get that wall and I was setting that block, that wall moved. And when it did, it, it, I went like this forward. And man, I'm telling you, for a moment, I thought, it was over. I thought I was getting ready to, and it felt like, honest to goodness, it felt like God just pushed me back up because you know how well I am with my balance having watched me go up and down these steps. So, and, and it was just like that I, I felt like God had just secured me. Now, James, on the other hand, was with me in Mexico, and we were putting asbestos roofing on an orphanage. And so there were sheets of it that were 16 feet long, and we were sliding it up. James was at the peak, and he was trying to guide the sheet up, and he got to the very top of it, and he thought that they were done pushing, and they weren't. And somebody gave it one more shove, and when they did, James stepped back because it knocked him off balance. And when he stepped back, he stepped on the edge. That asbestos is all right as long as you're on the seam with it, but he stepped on that edge, and it cracked and gave way. He fell 32 feet to a concrete floor below. There was gas pipes sticking up all around him. I heard that crash and I went running in there and I saw James dusting himself off and I looked at him and I said, man, did you fall through that roof? He said, yeah, I did. I saw the missionary and the missionary told me, he said, I never saw anything like it. He said, it was like everything happened in slow motion. He said, I heard it crack. He said, I looked up and here he came. And he said, I looked down, and I saw those gas pipes, and he thought, man, he, he, he said, I, I thought it was going to impale him. He fell right next to the gas pipes, and when he fell, he rolled. When he rolled, his hat fell off. And so what he did was he jumped up real quick, grabbed his hat, put it back on his head, and dusted himself off. Everybody say Rambo. <laughs> he, it was, I, I thought to myself, 
what in the world? We took him to the hospital to have it checked out. He was more shook up after he came out of the emergency room in the hospital. Like he came out, man, he was pale. I thought, well, you didn't look like that when I took you in there. And I said, what, what's, what's going on? He said, man, there's blood all over the floor in there. It was, you don't want to wind up in an emergency room in Mexico where we were at anyway. And so, but he's here today. Stand up, James. They told him, they told him he'd never be able to use that hand. He, he uses it all the time. Told him he couldn't sing. He said, no, they didn't tell that. <laughs> but it's, it's close encounters change us. Everybody say they change us. Have you ever, have you ever, you've had one, I'm sure, of some type that you could tell us about. Have you ever tasted fear? You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever had something happen that just, I mean, caused a shock wave to go through you, there's something, I don't know what it is, but there's got to be a gland in the back of your tongue. And I've had it where it would secrete and release it, and I could taste that fear in my mouth. I got a good taste of it when a pit bull came running across the street at me from the neighbor's house, and I mean, it was set on attack. And I was trying to brace myself, and I thought, well, I've got to give it my weakest hand so I can try and fight with my other hand. And and that thing ran up and it got right like where Debbie's at and it, it, it stopped and went rah, 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 rah. and then the man just barking and carrying on and, and I, I got that taste in my mouth and I thought I don't want to taste that again man it had an impact on me as a matter of fact it had such an impact on me I went uptown and I said I just need you to understand something I said the neighbors have a pit bull I said it almost attacked me I said he happened to step out of the door and he came and, and hollered at it and it stopped that dog I said I'm telling you now so we don't have any problems later if that dog comes at me again I'm going to kill it Close encounters have an impact on you. I told them, I said, I'm not waiting until my grandchild is over here chewed up by a dog and then respond afterwards. Sometimes you have something that impacts you in such a way that it changes you. Are you with me? It changes you. I thought about impact well Carl's impact we talked about that just a little earlier he I told him I said well go up to he, he went up to Peoria I said go up there we prayed for him asked God to heal him he went up to Peoria they went to check him out I said go up there let him check you out I said Jesus sent them to the priest to be verified that they had a healing he went up there he called me up what day was that he called me up a few days ago I thought he was still in Peoria I said where are you he said I'm home I said home he said, yeah, he said, I got up there and he said, they, they couldn't make up their mind what they wanted to do. And he said, I was walking around the hospital. He said, I looked down, he, he's got one of those things that track how far he's walking. He said, I walked seven miles in that hospital. Chief surgeon said, you walked seven miles? He said, you don't have anything wrong with your heart. You need to go on home. <laughs> Some of us might have a problem with our heart after we walk seven miles. So God has a way of impacting us. Close encounters with God forever change who you are. There was a man in Scripture, his name was Gideon. How many of you remember Gideon? Gideon has a, his dilemma is that the Midianites 
are stealing everything that they plant. They planted, the Midianites would come in during the harvest and steal everything. So he's hiding, trying to harvest some wheat. And they, all of a sudden, they, an angel shows up and calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. And Gideon gives him one of those looks. You talking to me? Because <laughs> I sure don't feel like a mighty man of valor. So Gideon tells him, he said, look, where are all the miracles that we've heard about our God doing. You know, if you're not careful, you can find yourself in a present problem looking to the past instead of trusting God for the future. And so he said, where are all the miracles that we used to hear about? And the angel responded to him and he told him, he said, you go in the strength that you have. God is sending you. What? He tells him to go deliver the children of Israel. But he has to go in the strength that he has. How many of you today, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I need you to climb up on the church right now and uh, change some filters with me. Danny, you ready to go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's going to have to go in the strength he has. You're thinking, well, man, you can't. I can climb it up on that building. You can't, you can't be serious about that. This is what I want you to understand. Too many times we're comparing ourselves with one another. And the Bible said he that compares himself to another isn't wise. All of a sudden, we're trying to measure up to this one, or we're trying to measure up to that one. That's not what the angel said. The angel said, you go in the strength that you have. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what, you, what your ability is. But hear me, this isn't about you. This is about him. And he's saying, I am sending you. Quit being afraid and start saying, I'm getting ready to have a close encounter with God. When he moves from that spot, now he's confident, right? He said, Lord, if this is really you, then I want you to make this wool fleece wet and all the ground dry around it. So the next morning he got up and the fleece was wet and the ground was dry. And that was enough for him. He said, uh, Lord, would you mind doing that one more time? <laughs> But this time, I'd like you to reverse it. I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. I'm telling you, fear sometimes can be crippling. You know, we, we can always point at somebody else and say, well, they just need to trust God. But what about when it's us? What about when we're the one that has to do the trusting? And, and sometimes it can be debilitating. We feel like I, I just... And, and so he keeps asking God and asking God. And I've always... I, I, I was amazed at God's patience because he did just what he asked. And so now Gideon's ready to move forward. And as Gideon starts to go forward, he finds the courage to tear down the altars of Baal that Israel had been worshiping. He manages to gather 32,000 men willing to go and fight the enemy. Everybody say 32,000. Man, I'd be feeling pretty good, huh? 
32,000. Of course, they, there were more than 32,000. Their army had much more than that. But he's got 32,000 together. He's going, all right, let's go bust some stuff up. And God tells him, he said, look, you got too many people. Okay, God, I understand. How many, you want me to send four or five home? He said, no, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take and send home. Go ask everybody that's afraid to go home. <laughs> 22,000 people left. He's left with 10,000 people. And God tells him, that's still too many. He's thinking, man, are you kidding? He said, take them down there to the water to get a drink. And if they bring the water up to their mouth and lap it like a dog, keep those people. But if they stick their face down in the water and, and they just get on their knees and start drinking out of the river, send those people home. Don't you know that his heart dropped when he saw all those folks start burying their face in that pond? I mean, I'm sure he's probably, well, I know he didn't, but I'd been walking through there kicking him. Man, what's wrong with you? Get, get your face up out of that. You know, because I, I know what's getting ready to happen. And, and, and then finally, he, he ends up, he's got 300 men left. This is what you've got to understand. As long as you feel like you did it, it's never going to happen. God has to get the glory. I said God has to get the glory. If we're going to have a close encounter with God, it's only because we're giving him the glory. It's not because we're all that special and we're all that in a bag of chips. It's because God is getting the glory. He's got 300 men and he feels like, what am I supposed to do now? And when he starts to go forward and he begins to move forward, he, God knows that he's still dealing with fear. How many of you know that God's able to calm your fears? And so he told Gideon, he said, look, he said, if you want some encouragement, take someone with you and go down to the camp, and I'm going to encourage you down there. Folks, I'm just telling you that God's ways are not our ways because the last place we would be sending someone to get encouragement is down to the camp of the enemy. Yeah, go on down there. If you get caught, they're going to kill you. That'll encourage you. Just, just pop on down to the camp of the enemy. That'll really, no, I, I'm telling you, God does things diametrically opposite of what we think ought to happen. And so you can't get into this place where you're trying to plan out God's events. You have to just trust God. He goes down there, he slips down there. These guys have a dream. One of these guys have a dream that a barley cake, cake came rolling into the camp and the interpretation of this dream i'm telling you this had to be god the interpretation of the dream the guy stands up after hearing that a barley cape cape i can't talk that a barley cake came into camp and 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 tore down a tent the interpreter said the guy stands up and he said i know what that is that's the sword of the lord and of gideon that's gideon he's, he's going to destroy us and when Gideon hears that, he gets so excited that he goes back and he begins to share with everyone else, and he orders the battle. This is how we're going to win. We're going to win by letting our light shine. <laughs> That's a nice tune. <laughs> we're, we're, going, we're going, everybody say it with me. We're going to win by letting our light shine. You're never going to gain any ground if you're always mumbling and grumbling. 
You're not going to gain any ground if you're wringing your hands going, I don't know what we're going to do. I thought God had showed up by now. <laughs> you're going to have to let your light shine. And there's only 300 of them, and they're going against armies of tens of thousands of people. But how many of you know that light has the biggest impact in darkness? You may be outnumbered, but you're not outclassed. <laughs> oh, come on, hear what I'm saying. They may be outnumbered, but you understand that if God be for us, uh, who, my friend, can be against us? Uh, and when they let those lights begin to shine, it won the victory. Yeah. What is it? Huh? Oh, sorry. Debbie knows if she gives me signals, it's going to drive me nuts until I find out what she's telling me. I'm unbuttoned? Well, thank you that it was just my shirt. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Y'all keep your mind on God. Here we go. Here we go. I see you've got me off track. All right. So they won, they won the victory by letting their light shine. Everybody say, let your light shine. Now, you have to understand that God doesn't always operate the way we do. But when we're, when we're willing to let God have his way instead of demanding ours. I'm going to say that one more time because that needs to soak in. When we understand that we need to let God have his way instead of demanding ours. You'd be surprised how many people I've run into that were demanding things from God. I thought about Job. Did you ever read that book? Job has got questions because he's going through stuff he doesn't understand. He maintains his integrity with God, but he's got questions for God, and he's saying stuff like, I wish you'd appear before me like a judge. I, you know, he's got all the, and then God shows up. And when God shows up, this is what he tells Job. He said, were you around when I created? <laughs> Can you make the ocean's waves stop where they're at and not come any further? He said, gird yourself up now like a man because I'm going to demand of you and you're going to answer me. When he gets through with Job, Job looked at him and he said, I abhorred myself and repented in dust and ashes because I uttered things that were too marvelous for me to understand. What was Job saying? Let me put it in plain English for you. Job saying, I had no clue what was going on. I didn't realize that the devil had showed up and had been telling you that if I he, if you would allow him to touch my life, that I would turn my back on you. Do you understand? That's what's going on. And jo God had held Job up to the devil and said, Have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in all the earth? And I'm telling you that Job didn't realize what God was doing, but when he held on, God blessed him in ways he'd never been blessed before. So just hold on. You're getting ready to have a close encounter. Don't let go now. Hang on. Gideon came away from there having found courage. This man that didn't feel like a mighty man of valor, this man that was so timid, that was so fearful, when he got a close encounter with God, he found courage. You remember a man by the name of Saul? Saul 
is a very religious man. He's also a very angry man. He's a very bitter man. I thought about this. If you're looking at devotion, as a matter of fact, in the, the third chapter of Philippians, Paul talks about, he said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin. He said, concerning the law, blameless. There wasn't anything about the law that you could point at his life and accuse him of. But he was an angry, bitter man. Why would you say that? Because he's having people put to death. He's having people hunted down like dogs and thrown in prison, people that are worshiping God. And I thought about how that if you're not careful, you can still go to church and be an angry, bitter person. Do you understand that what saved me wasn't when I walked into the church house? It was when Jesus got inside my heart that saved me. And so when, when we have that type of an encounter with him, it makes a difference. So here's Saul, and he's going to Damascus, and you know his story. All of a sudden, he has a close encounter. He gets knocked down. Man, he's blinded. He can't see. And, and it changes everything about him, but he hears a voice speak to him. Look at Acts chapter 7, or chapter 9 and verse 7. It said, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. You ever hear a voice? Did you ever hear someone, did you ever been in a house alone and thought you heard somebody calling your name? You know what I'm talking about? Thought you, and what'd you start doing? You start going through the house, checking for somebody, and then what happens when you find nobody? <laughs> you kind of get the heebie-jeebies, don't you? These guys hear the voice. He's having a conversation with Saul. Saul said, he, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? They could hear that. He said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. Do you know that when Saul left that encounter, he left completely different? As a matter of fact, he even loses his name and became the Apostle Paul. He went from being a bitter, angry man to being a man whose heart was filled with compassion that was consumed with a mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. When we have an encounter with him, it changes who we are. We're no longer just people that are faithful to church. We're people that are faithful to God. People that are consumed with his purpose and his plan in our life. I'm no longer trying to get him to fit into my life. I'm trying to get my life to fit into him. Everybody say close encounters. Close encounters change you. You remember Peter? Have you ever been sure of yourself? Wave your hand if you've ever been, I mean, really confident you're sure of yourself. I'm talking about like, I got this. No problem. Can I help you with that? No, I don't need no help. I got it. That's the way Peter was. Peter was confident. 
And then the Lord spoke to Peter and said, Peter, he said, Satan's desired to sift you that he could, or desired to have you so he could sift you like wheat. He said, but I've prayed for you. He said, when you return to me, when you're converted, when you come back to me, I want you to strengthen your brethren. Peter's thinking, me? Are you kidding, Lord? Man, I would go to prison with you, and I will die for you. I'll never deny you. And yet Jesus told him, he said, you're going to deny me before the rooster. You'll deny me three times before daybreak. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. He was so sure of himself. How many of you have ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you were so sure of your relationship with God, your walk with God, and something happened that brought something out of you that you hadn't seen in a long time. And then you weren't quite so confident of yourself anymore. Weren't quite so sure of yourself anymore. I wonder what was going through Peter's mind when he was warming his hands by that fire and he started denying that he knew Jesus. He did it once. He did it twice. And then one gospel records the third time that he did it. He turned and he looked and Jesus was looking at him. And when his eyes met the eyes of the Lord, the Bible said that he went out and wept bitterly. He's broken inside. He feels like, man, I've blown it. He wouldn't even want anything to do with me anymore. You ever been there? Do you ever feel like they don't want me anymore? Do you ever feel like that maybe family or Maybe friends just kind of wrote you off. Maybe you did something. Maybe Peter did something. and Maybe you did something, and, 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 and all of a sudden it's like you, you feel like you've been written off, and, and there's no way to redeem yourself and no way to, to make things right that you've done. After all, Peter's got to be thinking. Do you understand? He runs away weeping and crying, and he never gets an opportunity to tell him, I'm sorry. He would be crucified, and Peter's looking in a distance. He never got to make it right. And so he's carrying that with him. You ever carried anything? And then when the angel shows up, I want you to understand that God has a way of letting you know he has not written you off. He has not given up on you. He has not thrown you away. He's not cast you aside, but he's got a plan for your life, and he's going to fulfill that plan if you let him. So an angel shows up, and Mary's at the tomb, and the angel tells, tells Mary, said, I know you're looking for Jesus, and he's not here. He's risen like he said. Now listen to what the angel says to her. He said, now, you go tell his disciples and Peter. He mentions Peter by name. Why? Because Peter didn't believe he was a disciple anymore. Peter believed that he had been cast out, that he couldn't make things right. But God makes sure that Peter knows that just because you mess up doesn't mean I throw you away. Just because you fell doesn't mean you have to stay down. It's time to get back up. Everybody say it with me. Get up. 
Get up. When you have an encounter that way, it changes you. Peter walked away from that encounter knowing something about mercy that he didn't know before. Understanding something about grace that he didn't know before. And sometimes the situations we go through, the circumstances that we're facing, you need to understand that they're not there to destroy us. But they're there because God is trying to reveal something to us. Everybody say, close encounter. There was a lady, her name was Mary. It's a true story. Mary had a baby named Michael. Michael was born and seemed to be a healthy baby and everything was good. And his dad made the comment, you know, those little sock hats that they put on babies' heads. And his dad made a comment and said, boy, his, his head sure fills that sock hat out, doesn't it? Well, as time started going by, his mother started seeing that there was something different about his head. It seemed to be elongated like it was getting bigger. And she tried to dismiss it, and, but it kept gnawing on her. And so she finally took him into the doctor and, and asked the doctor, said, doctor, said, I, want, I, I need you to check my son's head out. I, and the doctor said, oh, he's fine. I said, no, check his head out, check his head out. And so he checked it and everything came back fine. And he said, he said, look, your baby's fine. And so she breathed a sigh of relief and thought, whoa, man, you know, thank God. And then all of a sudden she goes to church. And how many of you know that you've got places that you set? How many of you sitting in the same place you were in last week? How many of you sitting in the same place you were in last month? You know what I'm talking about? I, I, and, and so we get, we get into routines, right? But sometimes miracles come when you get out of your routine. I went into a church one time and I sat down where a lady, it was her seat. They asked her, they said, how are you doing today? She said, well, I was doing all right before he took my seat. I just kept sitting. <laughs> I felt like you need to break a routine. Her mom came in and she headed for the pew that they always sat at. And as she started to go to that pew, all of a sudden she said, I felt checked. And I felt like I was supposed to sit a couple of pews back. And so she took her daughter and, she, and her, her baby and she went two pews back and she sat down. And all of a sudden, service was going on, and she noticed a man across the aisle, and she'd never seen him before. They got to a place where that they were asking people to shake hands and greet one another, and she said, it was strange. She said, I was watching him, and said, I watched him as he moved past other people to grab hold of my hand. And he grabbed hold of my hand, and when he grabbed hold of my hand, he just said, the Lord bless you and keep you and she said that it looked like he wanted to say something else to her but in the midst of that that they couldn't they couldn't hey whoever's phone that is if you would just go ahead and get it out and shut it off okay is it where where is it somebody help her find it okay so they so what happened is 
he reached over and he, he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. And she said that he acted like he wanted to talk to her, but he, he didn't. Service ended, and when service ended, he walked over to her and he said, hi, how are you doing? And she said, fine. And he, he looked at her and he said, have you had your baby checked? And she looked at him and said, yeah. And he said, you've had your baby's head checked? And she said, yes, he's fine. And he said, no, he's not. He called out a medical term of what was wrong with the child. And he looked at her and he said, the plates in his head are fusing together. Said, you need to go have the baby checked and you need to have him checked quickly. He said, take him to a neuro, neurosurgeon. He'll explain to you what I'm saying. And she looked and she thought that was strange, but she couldn't get it. And, and he leaves and she couldn't get it out of her mind. And so she called her doctor and said, I, I need a number of a neurosurgeon. And she said, well, I'll give you the number. I said, but man, it's months before you can get in to see him. And she said, no, I need to see him. And she called in. And when she called in, the strange thing was, he said, we just had a call right before you that canceled. So yes, we can see your son. When she brought her son in, that neurosurgeon confirmed what that stranger had told her. They did surgery on that child, and they said if they had not done the surgery at that time, that, that, that his plates would have fused together, and he would have been permanently brain damaged. But they said because his, his plates were soft, they could operate. They operated, and he's a perfect, healthy child today. I'm telling you that close encounters change us. Don't you ever feel like God doesn't know what you're going through, doesn't see what you're going through. He knows where you're at, and he's got help on the way. Somebody shout yes. It's time for us to say, I believe you, God. You said, I believe. I'm going to trust you. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. I'm going to trust in you. Would you stand with me today? God wants to give us a close encounter. But close encounters mess with us. Close encounters change us. They don't leave us the same we were. Brother Walls that came here and I shared with you about that, that happened to me in 1980. I was 19 years old. 1980, I had my first close encounter with God. I didn't even realize this until Last night, I started thinking about this, and I thought, whoa, what, what is there about this? That was 1980. 20 years later, in the year 2000, I would have another encounter with God that would just totally mess me up. I went 10 months. I couldn't get behind a pulpit and preach a normal message. I'd get behind a pulpit and feel the presence of God apprehend me. And there were times that all I could do, I would break. And I felt, I, I, if I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I felt, I, I, I felt embarrassed. I, I couldn't get it together. But I, I would break and I would begin to weep. But I watched God do something in those 10 months that I hadn't seen him do in all the ministry that I'd been in. I watched him start apprehending hearts 
all across buildings and it wasn't because of something I had said. It was because of something that was happening to me. You see, it's never going to happen for your friends or your family until you let it happen to you. You've got to, you've got to get your close encounter. You've got to make up your mind that I'm going to let it happen for me. You, I've pondered sometimes. What would happen if we just let God be God? If we got hungry for him? I didn't deserve any of those close encounters. I was hungry. People that got around me in 2000 were talking to one another and they said, man, have you been around him? Something's happened to him. Then 20 years later, 2020. And folks, I'm telling you, we've had a close encounter that's still happening right now. In that year, we were told you got to close the church door. And I tell you, folks, we're going to have to tie me. Because <laughs> I was upset and I thought, this isn't happening. I'm not. And I thought, okay, God, if they're saying we can't have it in here, then let's take it out there. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Are you hungry for an encounter, a close encounter with God? Look, if you're just happy with coming and sitting on a seat here, well, we're glad you're here, but I can't hang out there. <laughs> I'm hungry for more. Everybody say more. Any of y'all eating at Thai Taste? Know what I'm talking about in Carbondale? Wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Thai taste. I, I love that food. You can go in there and you can order. You say, Pastor, what's that got to do with what you're talking about? Stay with me. You can go in there and you can order a one to a ten. And and it's the heat level. And I like I like hot that has flavor. I don't like hot just for being hot, but that hot's got flavor. And I always go in and order a 10. And I was in there one day and I thought, man, this is so good. You know, I love that so much. And I went in and I ordered a 13. My lips were on fire. And I just kept, I just kept eating it. I just kept eating it. I had, I was drinking ice water, putting ice on my lips and kept eating it. Why? because it was so good, I couldn't stop, but it was really intense. The scripture said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, what level do you want? Are you satisfied with just a one down here? You're just gonna kinda hang out and patty cake with God? Oh, I love going to church and singing songs. I love listening to a worship team sing. And I'm hanging out down there with a two or a three. Or do you get to the point where you say, God, I want more of you. 
And I know that it only goes up to 10. But I'd like to get exceedingly, abundantly, above what I could ask or think. You know what I found out? God will give you what you're asking for. But sometimes what you're asking for, I found out, is a little more intense than you can handle. But he gives it to you in measure. And as long as you keep eating, and as long as you stay hungry, he's going to keep pouring it out and pouring it on and letting you find yourself in him. So here's my question. Are you ready for your close encounter? Not mine, not your mama's, not your daddy's, but yours. My brother Paul used to get excited and he'd shout, man, he sounded like a freight train coming out of the station. He'd get excited, he'd go, woo, 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 man, he'd, I mean, he'd take off. And I used to, I was his younger brother, I used to make, I hesitate to say make fun of him, but I, I'd say, boy, you really cut a rug tonight and you really showed out. And he said, one of these days, that's going to happen to you. And I said, no, it's not. I said, just give me a handkerchief. Let me cry. I'm happy. But I started getting hungry for more. And I remember the night that God showed up with more. I couldn't handle it. They came up and they were praying for me and I, I, was, I was just shaking, man. I was just trembling all over and I, I was trying to hold myself. And guess who showed up to pray for me? My brother that I'd been making fun of. He grabbed hold of my feet and started praying, loose him, Lord. I promise you my feet took off across the floor and my body was following it. And I was trying to say, no feet, no. And God was saying, go feet, go. You've got to ask yourself what kind of encounter you want. How intense do you want it to be? Because God, God, God's not going to force something on you. You're going to have to be hungry for it. As they sing this song with me right now, I'm, I want you to move out of your pew. Just move to the front. Don't anybody get nervous. Just come to the front. And I want you, I'm not even going to lay hands on you today unless God tells me to. But what I'm really wanting is I'm really wanting you to get this for yourself. I'm really wanting you to understand that God desires to have a close encounter with you. Not, not just with the one you love, not just with your mama or your papa, but with you. And how, can I tell you this? My first time having a close encounter with God really made me nervous because I'd never experienced God before like that but I can tell you this that after that close encounter I wasn't the same person anymore 
it changed who I was. God brings us into a close encounter so that then your life will have an impact on other people's lives. He said, freely you have received, freely give. I want you just to stretch your hands to heaven with me now. So they sang the song. I, I want you to just, I want you to forget about who you're standing next to, where you're at. And I want you, Thank you to just begin to ask God for that close encounter. Sing it, would you? Shall I promise and not perform? I'm not limited to what you see. I'm able to move beyond your sphere, your world, your realm. Te lo coma ese. 
hold on to me. For that that I have spoken, I shall bring to pass. This is not the time to draw back. This is the time to step forward. For I will show myself real, saith God. I praise you, God. You said, I believe. You said, it is done. You said. shaking and she was trembling and she told me she said pastor Rick she said I'd been struggling and I prayed today and she said I said God please let me know you're real and she said I felt a hand touch my shoulder man i mean this girl was just shaking and crying and she said i know it was his hand there's a close encounter waiting for you one thing i've learned about god is encounters come as a direct result of hunger when i was traveling if i went into a, a church that was really hungry that had really been seeking the face of God for revival, I would start to see stuff happen. 
because hunger puts a demand on the Spirit of God. How hungry are you? It's not about hungry for what I want or hungry for I want you to do this and this and this. It's about hungry for God. Hungry for saying, God, I want you to have your way in my life. Come on, say it with me. I want you to have your way in my life. I I want you to have your way in my life. journey it's a road she hasn't traveled before but God has already laid the way out for her thank you father thank you father we're we're in the midst of this third man I I didn't even think about the simulation of this it's a th- it, for, for my life, for my personal life, this is the third great encounter. In the history of the church, it's the third great awakening. You're going to begin to see things that you haven't seen before. And God is going to start to use you in ways that he hasn't used you before. And I want you to hear me. Don't draw back from it, but make yourself available for Him. Now, now I, I, want, I want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm, I, 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 I stand as a sentry here, and I've seen fluff and stuff and flake and shake, and, you know, and, and so we're not going to let that. But I've seen the true power and presence of God sweep through a house and change people's lives without anybody even knowing it happened. I'm talking about stuff happening that you don't find out about until after service was over. And God is moving us there. Each one of you have a purpose and a plan. And God is going to begin to put a demand on you. You can't just, you don't get to just come sit and, and watch anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like you're coming in here to get charged up for out there. And God is going to use you. Troy, God is going to use you. There. You're going to be, you're going to relate to people and understand people that probably wouldn't even listen to me but you're going to be able to talk to them 
and touch them in a way that's going to resonate with them in their heart. And don't, don't worry. It, you know, we, we get into this stuff about, well, man, I don't have my wings yet. <laughs> no, but we just keep moving toward that. You understand that God knows that he's dealing with imperfect vessels. And it's him that makes the perfection. Amen. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven with me one more time? Thank you, Father, for Troy. God, for what you're doing in him and through him. In Jesus' name. You said, I I'm going to let you go. I want to pray for you right before you go. Before you do, I, I need to let you in on a little secret so you, you're ready for it and you, you don't get, you don't let it take the wind out of your sail. Every time a great encounter starts to happen, the devil gets really upset and he begins to attack. So you're going to, how many of you have already experienced some attack going on? You're, okay, now hear me. You're going to experience attack. What I'm saying is don't let it impress you. Don't, when, when it hits you, don't get, don't get bent out of shape. Don't let it impress you. You know, Satan showed up at Wigglesworth's bed, the foot of his bed one night, and was peering over him and trying to intimidate that man of God. And all of a sudden, Wigglesworth woke up and saw the devil peering at him. And he propped himself up in bed and said, oh, it's just you. And turned around and went back to sleep. If you don't let the devil impress you, he's not going to be able to possess you or oppress you. So what I'm saying is this, is understand that the, when you understand that, you've already won half the battle. When you understand that an attack's there, you, you, you won't have to battle. When you get this part of it, you really are leaps and bounds forward. When you understand that it's coming because God is getting ready to release something in your life, then you're going to find the strength to be able to stand up and say, thank you, Jesus, because I know this is just part of the process. Father, I thank you for this congregation, Lord. I pray your blessing over each one. Thank you for every mom and dad, God, every grandma and grandpa every uncle and aunt. God, I, I pray for every child, Lord, that you pour out your spirit on us and cause us to have a generous heart so that we don't hoard it, but we begin to share with others what you've done for us. I thank you, God, for this great awakening, for these close encounters. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. God bless you today. We love you.